Hi there, this is Fred Stella, and right now I'm talking to you from 2020. In a minute, I'll be talking to you from 2001. And the reason I'm uh, introducing our program today this way is because, well, I've gotten a lot more information since we recorded this back in 2001. You're about to hear a program on the spiritual organization Avatar. And when I say spiritual, I mean fraudulent. Uh, this is fascinating. You know, <laughs> back then in 2001, I got a phone call from a friend of mine and he said, hey, I've got a great idea for your program. You should interview someone from Avatar. You know, What's Avatar? And he explained it to me that it's this program that he had been through and he thought the world of it and that uh, it it's something he thinks people would be interested in. So I said, all right, well, let me investigate it. He gave me the name of a contact uh, in Detroit and they sent me several books and pamphlets all about their organization called Avatar owned by another organization called Star's Edge International. And I found this fascinating because it wasn't really a religion, although it had many uh, spiritual elements to it. It was a for-profit organization. I mean, at least they were upfront about it. And the more I read about it, I, the more I realized this is, this is like Amway. This is like you know, New Age Amway. Um, if I am a member and I get you to sign up and invest thousands of dollars, and I do mean tens of thousands of dollars potentially, to be a part of this movement, I get to dip my beak. I, I get a little of that. Well, problem is, I'm a nice guy. I really am. I, ask anybody. I'm a nice guy. And so this friend of mine asks me, oh, put on Avatar, put on somebody from Avatar. I, I went through it. I loved it. I go, okay, fine, I'll do it. Well, it was a very interesting uh, experience. Uh, I recorded two episodes with two different people that aired over two different weeks. And... I should have been a little bit more pointed. I should have been... I, I was skeptical, but I was probably more neutral in my questioning than I should have been. But here's something. This is kind of funny. If you, if you keep listening, note the question I ask him about the spiritual biography of the uh, originator of of uh, avatar harry palmer you know he he puts out this spiritual biography but then there's a disclaimer in the front of the book saying that a lot of this stuff is for entertainment value and don't necessarily take it to be true like, are you kidding me you're 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 touting the value of this enlightenment that you've received and you can't even give me a straight account of your life and note the the response of the um, Mr. Lee, the uh, the person that I'm interviewing. Uh, I kind of caught him off guard. Anyway, it's documented all over the internet. A lot of dissatisfied customers. It's clearly a scam. So listen to the program, hear what they have to say, and move on with your life. Oh, there's one other thing that I really have to tell you. My friend, the one who asked me to do a couple of episodes on Avatar, the one who himself spent thousands of dollars and just loved what uh, the program supposedly did for him, yeah, a couple of years after all of that, he was busted for tax evasion and served time in prison. So... There you go. This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue.
Hello, my name is Fred Stella, President of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. Welcome to another edition of Common Threads. You've probably come across the word avatar in the past few years. Perhaps it was in connection with some new computer technology or computer games. Well, the original word comes from the Hindu tradition. It's Sanskrit, and it means to descend, to descend into flesh. It refers to enlightened beings who walk amongst us. I'm familiar with two explanations of what an avatar is. The first is very similar to the Trinitarian concept, that is, that God himself takes human form, as Christians believe Jesus did. Uh, the second idea is that while God himself doesn't take human form, ancient souls on the verge of complete liberation still hold onto the desire to aid the rest of humanity. They reincarnate of their own free will, as opposed to most of us who must return again and again to continue learning lessons and working out karma. Buddhists refer to these great beings as bodhisattvas. Well, that's probably more than you ever care to learn about this subject, but I wanted to give you an understanding of the word as it has been used since today uh, we'll be discussing its more contemporary definition. Currently, it's being used as a trademark name for a series of courses which promise inner transformation. Now, it's not a religion, but it has much in common with religion in that it promises adherence, self-transformation. Today, we'll talk with a representative of Avatar and find out just why so many people are searching beyond traditional faith-based solutions for personal fulfillment. With me on the line from Detroit is Bill Lee. Bill is a qualified Avatar master. Uh, he's also a clinical social worker and an ordained Zadi minister. Bill, welcome to Common Threads. Good morning, Fred. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, let's talk about you. Uh, you are a qualified avatar master, and what does that mean? That means that I have been licensed by Stars Edge International, which is the um, organization that holds the trademark and uh, has in residence Harry Palmer, who developed the avatar materials back in 1987 so I'm certified and qualified by them to teach the avatar course and tell us a little bit about your work as a social worker uh, in what fields did you uh, participate well Fred I spent about 30 years in clinical social work in psychiatric centers for severely mentally ill both inpatient and developing outpatient centers that did the follow-up or emergency pre-care, trying to prevent people from going in the hospital. And I also had a private practice through the years. Okay. I'm going to ask you probably a few more questions about yourself and okay. your own experience a little later on. Sure. But right now, let's, uh, let's talk about Avatar. First of all, the name. Um, I looked through a, a good deal of Avatar literature, and nowhere in it did I see any sort of explanation as to why this name is attached to these courses, uh, the ancient definition which I just gave. I'm just curious as to um, where this, how this name became connected with uh, the courses. The explanation that you gave just a few minutes ago is exactly why it's connected to these courses. It is uh, founded on the belief that each of us have a spark of or a part of the divine within us and that we're connected to the divine and that rediscovering who we are in that divine sense is part of the journey on this planet. At the same time, though, you uh, are very careful. When I say you, I mean Avatar, Star's Edge, uh, are very careful not to give the impression that you are a religion. I mean, you are a for-profit company. Uh, you, you make no bones about that. Uh, it, there's no hidden agenda. I can, I can promise people that if you read the literature. Um, but, but you could be. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that if Harry Palmer a few years ago decided to make this a religion instead of what it is right now, he probably could have gotten away with it. Uh, would you agree? I mean, that there are certainly, we're, we're talking about the divine right now, that we have a spark of the divine. That, that's religious terminology. I think that he could have gotten away with it very easily because that has been the error of so many religions around the world, and he's very cognizant of that, and he wants very much not to be a guru, 
not to be a religious leader, and to give people tools to explore who they are. And it seems to apply equally well whether you're a conservative Christian, Protestant, whether you're a Catholic, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're a New Age person or have no religion at all. It cuts across cultures and allows people to explore all aspects of themselves. Do you really think somebody from a Christian background, I mean, we're talking a traditional or a conservative Christian background, would be able to take this and not find any uh, any dichotomies? Uh, uh, for instance, you just mentioned that the name Avatar, uh, you agree with the ancient definition that uh, we all have uh, either a spark of or a part of. Uh, there, there are various ways to, to phrase it, but the, the, the divinity is somehow a part of us. What if somebody believes firmly in their heart, because their tradition tells them, that uh, ultimately they're sinners? Uh, you know, a Calvinist, this is a very Calvinist area. I don't know if you're aware of, uh, of what West Michigan. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the first things you learn in the uh, Reformed tradition is that uh, we're all, we all are totally depraved. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's right from the catechism there. Right, straight from it. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the exact wording, total depravity. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I, and my guess is you do not come from this tradition, but perhaps you've met people who, who have come from more conservative Christian traditions, and we can talk about the other religions later, but that's the one that sort of jumped out at me the, the most. Well, actually, I'm very familiar with it because it was the church I was raised in as a child. And so I'm very familiar with them, and my experience of watching people here and being in touch with people around the world, that it doesn't matter what tradition you come from, the tools apply because they help you discover your most heartfelt, closest-to-home beliefs. And what's interesting, Fred, is that beyond doctrine, it appears to me from having watched many, many people go through the course at this point that it's not so much the doctrine of the church or the religion that we've been involved in that really affects us. It's what our basic beliefs about ourselves, our work, our relationships, and those seem to cut across the board no matter what. So it's very interesting, even though those aspects are there and people eventually will want to explore them, it's often beliefs like life is hard that is more universal, or relationships are difficult, or I don't deserve to have money, or I don't deserve to have a good job. All of those more basic beliefs about ourselves and our world are the ones that people explore in the beginning, and all those kind of doctrinaire kinds of things come later on. Tell us a little bit about the history of Avatar. It was started by a gentleman by the name of Harry Palmer. Who, who is Harry Palmer, and how did uh, Avatar spring forth from, from his, uh, his mind? Harry Palmer uh, is an educational psychologist who, in 1987, put together this system through a series of his own um, self-explorations and developments that he did in float tanks, uh, where there was it's a... a um, sensory deprivation tank where he went in just to observe how consciousness works and uh, the genius of what Harry did was not only uh, explored all this territory but has an incredible ability to translate the most esoteric sounding things into very simple exercises that anyone can do. So he developed this, and it's a series of mental practices and experiential exercises that allow you to explore very profound aspects of human experience and consciousness. And how did he take the, the essence of this knowledge and create an organization? Um, what he did was he developed a course and with that course had a bigger vision about what all that mean and developed the organization to support that larger vision. And that larger vision is one of an enlightened planetary civilization where in we can realize that the only difference between all of us is our belief systems and hopefully then get out of the I'm right, you're wrong, 
uh, the right-wrong game and get into really having compassion and understanding of each other. Uh, one thing, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, that I've been reading uh, Living Deliberately. Yes. Uh, it was uh, given to me uh, prior to this interview. And I found it absolutely fascinating. It's, it's a very compelling uh, story that really draws you in, especially anybody that uh, grew up in the 60s and the search for higher consciousness, the search for creating a better civilization, etc., all these things. And then I happened to notice at the very front of the book is a disclaimer that says that uh, this is uh, a section of a large body of original work, um, characters and events described in the text of Living Deliberately are intended to entertain and teach rather than present an exact factual history of real people or events. So it just kind of threw me for a little bit because I thought I was getting to know Harry Palmer and the actual history of the development of Avatar, and then I find out that, well, maybe I'm not. Now, you just said that uh, he did use flotation tanks, and, and which is in the book, so that part is correct. But there are other parts that now I don't know whether they actually happened, if this is a, sort of a combination of allegory and, and history. Um, can you tell me where do I find uh, you know, the, the real history of Harry Palmer and, and Avatar? Well, I think this is the definitive one that's out. I believe the disclaimer has to do with when he discusses other people. But I'm not sure I can give you a definitive answer on that. It's an interesting. Nobody's ever asked me that question before, so I haven't asked it myself. Okay. Uh, but generally, my understanding is this is the history of Harry and how it's developed, and that disclaimer is there to protect others that he may be discussing in there so that we don't have any um, confusion about that piece. Okay. I, I'm interested. I mean, it says mm -hmm. that the one of the points of the book is to entertain. It's a very entertaining book. Right. Um, but the way it's the way the disclaimer is written, it lends one to believe that uh, you know this might be somebody's uh, uh, daydream, <laughs> and obviously it's not because right. <laughs> if, if if it was, there probably wouldn't be an organization called Avatar. Right. And there is certainly a lot of um, there are exercises. There are um, oh I. Exercises might not be the correct word, but there certainly is a, a very well-thought mm, philosophy that is in the book as well. Um, so, well, good. You've answered my question yeah. as best as you and can. I, and I think just for clarification, what happens is in the book, uh, Living Deliberately, Harry gives both his personal history and then some incredible pieces of overall philosophy and perspective of how we work that gives... I think a revolutionary new understanding of how we work as human beings and then the actual exercises of that discovery began and are uh, written through the resurfacing book which is the other book that we usually recommend people have prior to the course. Right, which I have as well and we'll talk about that a little right. bit uh, later. So what in your mind is so revolutionary about uh, living deliberately? What is that philosophy? What's revolutionary to me, and through my 30 years of experience with therapy and my own personal work, I have been on a path of searching and personal exploration, exploration for all of my life. And with my years in psychiatry and all the various models that are out there, both philosophical as well as psychological and religious, this has given me such a greater depth of understanding that's practical. It's not just in my head, it's not just theory, but it actually works in my being, and I see it work in other people's being to discover and go much beyond anything else I've seen on the planet before. So that's what's so revolutionary. It's like a whole new thing, and I see people get in the nine-day workshop more than years and years and years of therapy or other kinds of workshops or other kinds of exploration. And I've even had people that have spent their lifetimes doing very in-depth exploration, like in monasteries or in various meditations from some very interesting traditions. And they just get it in that nine-day course, things that they've been struggling their whole life to get. Or, yeah. 
And and this is something that uh, they're able to acquire or to uh, or to discover by doing. You call them exercises. That's right. I'm assuming these are mental exercises. Uh, more they're than mental and experiential, Fred. They're always we do two things. We give you kind of a mental framework for how an exercise will occur, and then we put you on an actual exercise so it's not just in theory. So you have an experiential clarity about how it works in your own being, and you have your own awareness that this works for you. And it seems to work equally well if you've done years and years and years of self-development or if you have done none. Hmm. I just had my uh, 12-year-old nephew who's never done any self-development on the course, and he was awesome in his awarenesses, and they, they worked for him as well because they're very simple to do. And at the same time, I had an 89-year-old woman uh, who did extremely well and a lady who's probably spent 50 years in her personal development and taken everything available, and this blasted her through all kinds of things she wasn't able to get through in the past. So it makes that kind of an impact on people at all kinds of levels. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Bill Lee, who is a uh, qualified uh, avatar master, master, excuse me, and he is a part of the Star's Edge International Avatar Course, and you're listening to WGVU. The name of the program is Common Threads. Let's talk a little bit about resurfacing. This is another book that I have in front of me. It says Techniques for Exploring Consciousness, and this seems to be the first level that you work with people. What is resurfacing? Resurfacing we call a wake-up call to your own personality, your own identity, it's a way of exploring your consciousness. It's a two-day workshop that we give in person, or it's available on tape, or you can do it individually by just going through the book and doing the exercises. But basically, it's an exploration of your mental blueprint and how you became who you are to date and what works in your life, what doesn't work in your life, what were the influences, and basically... It gives you the tools to get to the beliefs that are behind what's creating the experiences that you're having in your life or attracting to your life. And this is something, as you say, that people can do on their own. Yes, they can. Uh, it's uh, even more powerful with an avatar master because the exercises are so simple. People often try to make them more complex than they are. and But people still have great experiences doing them just on their own and then most times we'll review it with an avatar master and get an even deeper understanding of themselves using the tools. And this is something that people can do one-on-one -on -one or in a group with, uh, with a master? That's correct. Uh, they can do it one-on-one, -on -one and we have classes as large as 100, 125 occurring now on the planet. We're going for 150, so it all depends. Mm -hmm. uh, they can do it in small groups, individually, or in large groups. You talk about, in, in resurfacing, the importance of stilling the mind and that by taking the courses, this is something that can be achieved. Uh, but I've seen a couple of, uh, of places where the question was asked, is this meditation? And the answer was yes and no. Uh, why is it yes and no? What is the difference between your techniques of stilling the mind and what m most people from either a, a Western or Eastern background would consider meditation? Well, there are, uh, uh, I think, two exercises in resurfacing. One that I would very technically describe as a meditation, for sure. Uh, there's another one that feels like meditation and is not quite a meditation. And all the others are just practices to still the mind or to be in touch with your patterns. And they're very effective, and they get you there fairly quickly. So... It's not a meditation technique. It's more a technique of how you're managing your awareness and how you're managing your own consciousness and therefore how you're managing your being. I have uh, in front of me uh, the various levels uh, that, that people can go through in Avatar, and I'm just curious, do people ever get put off by the term either master or 
even more esoteric wizard, to, to know that you're dealing with a wizard or that you can be certified as a wizard. Uh, is that something that people have to sort of uh, get used to? You know, it's funny because the grand majority of people have nothing on either one of those at all, but there are some that do. And usually people that are put off about the master uh, may have some um, background with, say, black-white issues and racism and things like that. The term master here is used more in the esoteric traditions where a master can pass on uh, a way of doing something, a mastery in the field. So it's kind of like a mentoring uh, expertise to be able to pass that on to someone else. And this is a similar thing with wizard. Once in a great while, I've had somebody react to that. And this just has to do, as we use it in this course, with your ability to function at a very high level of consciousness and awareness on a planetary level. So it's beyond the individual. Uh, certainly, uh, most people in orchestras have no problem with maestro, which is simply the Italian for master. Exactly. And, and I think the Europeans have a, a better concept of that, especially right. uh, in, in the guilds and the trades. Right, exactly. And may I ask this, so you are not a wizard. I am. Oh, oh excuse me, you are. Well, when I introduced you, you, you wanted me to introduce you as a qualitative qualified avatar master, doesn't a wizard supersede a master? Uh, actually not. The, f the first level is taking the actual avatar course. That's the first level. The next level is a master's level, which, at which you expand beyond... Well, actually, let me back up. The first level is that of the avatar, where we explore the consciousness within your own reality of all those things that you have control of within your own personal reality. It is about being present with you and your beliefs and what things in your world work and what things don't work and being able to move into a place where you start to be at choice about what you do in your life as opposed to being at the effect of what's happening in your life. The next major level up is that of a master where you learn not only to be present with yourself but to be really present and extend with yourself into the world of another so it's like being present with you, being present with uh, your parents, your significant other, your family, your children. So it really helps you gain some major skills in how to do your relationship with other people and assist others as well. And then the, the wizard level takes you much beyond that to playing on a very, very large scale on planetary consciousness and uh, collective consciousness and really looking at not only your personal thing and others, but how are we playing this game of life on this planet? Let's, uh, before we leave, and we only have a few minutes left, just talk uh, briefly about, we have three minutes? We have three minutes. So let's say in two minutes, uh, can you give us uh, your history of, uh, of uh, discovering Avatar uh, my, yourself. Okay, my history was I had taken quite a number of self-development courses and gone through all kinds of trauma and all kinds of individual stuff, including some therapy from time to time. And basically what happened is at one point I realized that I was repeating a pattern and I was making that choice and didn't have any idea how that was being created in my life. And I called up a friend I'd taken a course from who had just taken the Avatar course and he gave me one of the tools from this resurfacing and what I discovered in it was so deep and so profound I immediately wanted to take the course because I'd gone through all this stuff and nothing else got me to that level of awareness about what was creating my experience and from that point on it's been a constant stage of, of now really exploring life in a much more happy uh, open kind of way instead of desperately searching for what it's all about and more just exploring and having an exciting time exploring it. And uh, how many years have you been involved? I took my first Avatar course about six years ago and I have been a master for the last four years. So I've been uh, teaching for the last four years now. Okay. Uh, Bill, uh, real quick, why don't you give us uh, some websites, phone numbers, addresses, whatever you would like, if people okay. would like more information. Uh, there is a website, www.starsedge.com, and that has all kinds of information about Star's Edge on it. 
um, um, locally, I'm available at uh, a 1-800 number, 888-383-4810. And I have courses in Detroit on the west side of the state. We're planning one in Saugatuck Douglas this summer in June in Atlanta, San Francisco, Orlando, and sometimes Chicago, so I get around. <laughs> and um, so there's a lot of wonderful places where they can get further information, and the books are available in some bookstores in Saugatuck, and they're available through me or through Star's Edge or like Borders or other major bookstores can order them or may have them on hand. Okay, and for uh, the the very um, elementary uh, courses, uh, they run how much? The resurfacing workshop, which is the two-day workshop, the introductory exploration is $295 for the two-day workshop. Okay, wonderful. Well, Bill Lee, we appreciate your time very much. We're out of time right now. Next week, I'm going to ask people to tune in. We'll be speaking with somebody... Uh, from Avatar here locally, uh, so we'll we'll get even more information on uh, on Avatar and Stars Edge International. Bill, thank you so much for being with us here on Common Threads. Thank you, Fred. My name is Fred Stella. Thank you for joining us here on WGVU. Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. Send questions and comments by email through our website, www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org. Thank you for listening and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads. This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. This is Fred Stella, President of the Interfaith Dialogue Association and your host on Common Threads. Welcome to another edition of the program. You may notice today that many people are shying away from the word religion. Other words are, if not replacing it, at least competing with it, such as spirituality or self-transformation, whatever the label. What they all have in common is, in essence, an attempt to transcend the mundane, whether that means living forever with Jesus or reaching nirvana or simply creating the best understanding of the cosmos that one can possibly comprehend. Admittedly, some organizations are out there that pretend to be religions and enjoy all the perks of a nonprofit 501c3 that the IRS offers. Yet there are also people like our guest today. Avatar is an organization that is a for-profit company it has no communal worship. It does not require a belief system in any dogma. But it still promises a life-changing experience when the courses they offer are taken in earnest. Last week we were introduced to Avatar by Bill Lee from Detroit. And uh, today the journey continues. We have in our studios today Betty Ann Rollins. Uh, Betty Ann uh, lives in Lowell. She is a retired uh, elementary educator from the Grand Rapids Public School System. Her last position was the principal of Ottawa Montessori Academy. Uh, she's been involved with Avatar since 1997. She's now a licensed Avatar master wizard. She chose a career in education because she wanted to know why curious children before formal schooling lose their curiosity and willingness to explore as their formal education unfolds. She now networks with Avatar Masters in West Michigan to provide services to others in the community as well as to avatars around the world. And uh, Betty Ann, thank you so much for being with us here on Common Threads. Thank you for inviting me. 
So last week we spoke to Bill Lee uh, in Detroit, a, a colleague of yours, mm -hmm. and we basically gave an invita uh, invitation. Well, that too. But we gave an introduction to uh, what Avatar is. But why don't we recap that? If uh, someone was to come up to you on the street and just ask, well, what is this thing that you're involved with? In 25 words or a little bit more, what would you say? <laughs> I think I would say to start, uh, Avatar is a nine-day course in self-exploration. It's an experimental where you uh, do the exercises and its purpose is to help you to discover who you are and your purpose and what life is all about for you. Uh, Betty, and if I may ask, uh, what, if any, religious tradition did you come out of? I come from the Christian uh, background. And we spoke a little bit last week about the uh, idea of people from any religious background being able to be a part of Avatar. And again, Avatar is not a religion, but you certainly use a lot of the same terminology that you would find in a religion. I mean, the word Avatar itself, which we defined last week, is a religious uh, term. Uh, were you a practicing Christian? Were you a church-going, believing Christian at the time that you uh, uh, found Avatar? Very definitely. I was an um, inactive but attending believer. Uh, but an I was inactive, but, inactive. But, but attending. What does that mean? <laughs> um, I practice my Christianity on a day-to-day -day basis. Oh, but, but in terms of attending an established church on a weekly basis, I was not. Oh, I thought you meant you way. were attending a church. Okay, uh, but you were not. Sorry for that. Mm -hmm. That's okay. No, I was not, um, and I had many questions about why am I here? What is my purpose? Um, what is this life all about? And I was not finding the answers to those questions. So now that you are in Avatar, uh, has your attendance in church increased? Absolutely. <laughs> it Absolutely. Has. What I'm curious about, though, is if you are attending a church, are you attending the same church that yes, you I attended? Am. Yes, I am. Many of the questions that I had that I didn't have answers for were, in fact, judgments rather than understanding that what we believe uh, comes to us either by we model it or it's indoctrinated into us or we consciously choose what it is we wish to believe. And I did not have that understand previously. And so when I uh, ran up against something in the church that I didn't understand or didn't accept, it became a barrier. Now I understand that language is the way that we communicate and when someone expresses an idea, it's up to me, it's my responsibility to evaluate that and to put it into my broader understanding and accept those beliefs that I agree with and not accept those that I don't. There's an awful lot written in the, in the Avatar literature that I've come across that is just really opposed to any sort of dogma. Uh, and, and there is no dogma. You would agree with that. There's no dogma there in Avatar. No dogma. There, is, there is nothing you have yes. to believe. There is nothing you have to believe except that you have the ability, you are born with the ability to make choices and that you can make informed choices if you understand how we work, how we operate. And if you understand that you can create or discreate a belief at any time and you have the tools to do that. That's what you learn in Avatar, are the tools. As I said earlier, it's a world lesson rather than a word lesson. That's another way of approaching what my problem was previously. When you read the words, uh, at least for me, when I read the words in the church, I didn't always get the whole tune and the whole message. Um, but when you experience something and you feel it as well as think it, and you experience it in its greater being, uh, then you understand it. So my guess is that you approach your worship service with a little different attitude than probably everybody else in that church or most of the people in that church. Your understanding of what is being told to you, mm -hmm. what is being read to you from what other mm -hmm. scriptures, you, you sort of filter that uh, on, on a to a different level. Yes, I think I perhaps do. Do you have a problem in that you really can't share your 
understandings with the rest of the people there? Because you would probably be judged if you did. Would you, or, or you can disagree with that? I, I'm well, throwing that out. <laughs> that could very well be, but it is not mine to judge how others interpret what they hear and what they learn. Um, I'm responsible for my own understanding and my own beliefs uh, and I try to live in consistency with those and it is not my purpose to judge others. Um, I try to explain if someone asks where I'm coming from, but I think a very broad perspective is what I've gained from Avatar. The ability to widen back and look at different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Is there anything do you, you think uh, that you're missing because Avatar has no communal I'll use the word worship, but uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? The, the yeah. Avatar people locally, from my, my mm -hmm. understanding, don't get together to do Avatar. You take a course. People come in, they'll, they'll take a course, but after you're finished with the course, you're pretty much on your own. Well, that is unfolding right now. We are developing a network of Avatar masters in the area. Uh, when we were in a course in Orlando in January, we had a Michigan meeting just to identify the folks who were there. And there were approximately 1,100 at the course, and 23 of us were from Michigan who came to that luncheon. And uh, so we're beginning to network by email and having uh, get-togethers. Get but it is not for the purpose of uh, the traditional worship. It's for the purpose of um, uh, doing some of the exercises that we have learned, using the skills that we have learned. The difference between um, avatar and therapy, if you will, is whatever you do, whatever you are working on, you do privately. You don't talk about the contents. Um, you do these exercises to discover who you really are and what you do believe. And then once you know, you can choose whether you want to keep it or not. Last week we spoke about the different levels. You uh -huh. first start with uh, what is called resurfacing, and uh -huh. then you can uh, take a master's course, uh -huh. and then ultimately you can become a wizard. And mm -hmm. you, there are no more courses for you to take? Am I, am I correct in that? Or, or um, in terms of a formal sense, no. But every time you go to course, it's entirely different because you're a different person. If you are evolving all the time, you're never the same person going to the same course. I would like to say that um, the resurfacing and sections two and three of Avatar, the nine-day course, is really an ex uh, experiential opportunity to learn about yourself and what you believe. When you go to Masters, uh, the purpose of the course is twofold. One, to learn um, how to deliver the Avatar course if you so desire. That's part of it. But the other part of it is moving from the domain of self into the domain of others being concerned about the whole universe that we live in and how that takes place. Then there's a course called the professional course, which is uh, techniques in how to deliver and uh, how to chat, how to do all kinds of things like that. And then how to, to find how to what? chat with people, to oh, find okay. out where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, listening skills are extremely important. Uh, what? Listening oh, skills? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're teasing me, I got it. Uh, and then the final course is Wizards, um, in the hierarchy of courses. I have been to Wizards. Uh, do I consider myself a wizard? No. <laughs> well, that's self-defeating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just barely at the first level of understanding of the material of Wizards. That's why I say it that way. Okay. Now... We mentioned before last week, and uh, I may have mentioned it already once before, that this is, uh, again, it's not a nonprofit. This is a for-profit mm -hmm. company. You pay money for these courses, and uh, I did a little bit of math. I mean, if somebody started with resurfacing and went all the way to Wizard, we're talking about something like a $15,000 investment. Would you is, is that in the ballpark? That's in the ballpark, yes. Um, do, you, do you run into much resistance? Uh, when talking to people about uh, Avatar and then all of a sudden showing them, you know, what it is going to cost them in, in American dollars. Is that, mm -hmm. is that pretty scary for some people? For some people, yes, it is. But we look on that, Avatars look on that as being what we call a secondary. Um, there are enough resources for all of us to achieve whatever it is we want in life. And uh, when you study Avatar 
and you find out the beliefs that you have and how they um, cause you to behave the way you do, you realize that prosperity is available for anyone that is honest with himself and goes after it. It's there. And there is, for instance, if you were to sign up uh, somebody mm -hmm. to, to do one of the courses mm -hmm. uh, that you're licensed to teach, uh, someone, I, I spoke to somebody who took the course and first of all, let me tell you what she said. She said that she loved it, that it was um, life-changing, and that uh, she wouldn't trade it for anything. She admittedly still had a problem with the expenses. She, she just thought it is an awful lot of money, and that's, that's her opinion. But she certainly uh, understands that it is what it says it is, and in reading all of the literature that I have over the past month, I can tell you that uh, Avatar certainly is very upfront uh, about it. You, you, you don't turn a page, well, that's an exaggeration, but you don't read a publication uh, without seeing how much everything is going mm -hmm. to, to run you, and that's mm -hmm. uh, certainly very admirable. Um, but she did say that after she went to a certain level, and I forget where she is, mm -hmm. she did say that somebody, and it wasn't you, don't know because she, she mm -hmm. doesn't know who you, who you are, uh, but it was uh, somebody approached her from Avatar and she felt that they were using the same kinds of techniques that are taught in the Avatar course to try to convince her to take that next step, which was, which was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm assuming that that wouldn't be your approach? <laughs> well, I've been in that spot. I understand what that person was sharing with you, but I look at it in, from a different perspective. Prior to having Avatar, my life was quite confused, and I was at the, uh, the yin and yang of everyone and everything in the community. As an educator, uh, building principal, I was trying to respond to the children, to the faculty, to the district office, to the parents, to the, you know, the national people who are poo-pooing public education all these um, uh, stakeholders and trying to please everyone and pleasing no one, including myself. After I took the Avatar course, I realized that I am responsible for the choices that I make and that I can impact and help others and that I have a responsibility to share that with others. So am I worth the investment to gain the skills so that I can share it with others? Absolutely. So on the one hand, you look at it and you say ten to $15,000, that's a great deal of money. I believe that that amount of money will get you one year of college education in this day and age, and it got me a new life. And this is something that, of course, people can take years to to accomplish, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, right. it's not $15,000 no. a no, no. year, it's no, no. $15,000 over as long as you wish to make the journey, however the time takes you. I went on the SLOW program. Um, I've been at Avatar since 1997, and it was over 18 to 24 months that I took all of the courses. I have met other people who've done all of the courses in less than six months. The reason that I think everybody has to make their own decision is because you integrate what you're learning, and you apply it to your life. Uh, learning that is not integrated becomes just another piece of information. This becomes a way of life. It's the way you conduct your business, your behavior. It's the way you look at the world. Uh, it's the way you spend your time in service to others. And so that takes time to integrate. Mm -hmm. No scholarships, uh, though. We were talking about higher education. Uh, well, that's changing, too. Um, there's a program uh, for children bringing the um, resurfacing into public education. Well, actually, not only public education, but any form of education. And there is a foundation that is presently raising money so that um, districts can bring resurfacing in and teach the teachers and then bring it into the classroom for children. You see, in the very first piece, the first two days of the course, you learn to focus your attention and you learn um, by the exercises that we do uh, about your willpower and you learn how to apply that to focus and accomplish the goals that you set in life. As an elementary teacher, I used to say, children, I would like you to pay attention to me, but I never taught them what attention was because I truly didn't know. 
now I do. And so, and that's what I learned when I took the avatar. That's interesting. I, I'm thinking of the response of the parents and the communities uh, to something like this being instituted mm -hmm. in their schools. Being an educator, former educator, mm -hmm. and a principal, um, what do you think the response would have been if somebody approached you a few years ago and said, we want to provide this to the public schools? Uh, would it sound like uh, too much social engineering? Would it sound like it would be in opposition to the wishes of the parents? I don't believe so. Um, it's hard for me to truthfully answer that question on this side of having experienced Avatar because I'm far more open uh, and receptive to ideas than I was prior to that. But I would hope, I would hope that I would have been receptive in, and said, well, tell me more about it. Explore. Let's let's look at this. What are the benefits for the children? Um, and let me share with you one of the keys. We can live in the past, or we can live very much in the present, or we can live in the future, or alternate between the three. And people who live in the past never have any new experiences or much joy, and they don't learn new information. Um, my mother-in-law, God rest her soul, lived in the future. She was always thinking that when such and such happened, then she'd be happy. When this happens, then I'll be happy. When that happens, then I'll be happy. But she wasn't able, because she didn't have the skills, to live in the present. And I think that that's one thing we can help students of all ages. When you're in a class, um, be in the present. If you're out the window, or if you're in uh, the morning tizzy with mom, or if you're looking forward to that date after class, you're not focusing, your attention is not there. So I think that there are great benefits for students of all ages. Is this something that you think you would be working on in, in the Grand Rapids Public Schools in the near future, or that would be far down the line, if ever? It's down the line, but it's not that far off. Uh, we are presently working on a proposal. Would like to take it to the schools. Would like to show them what has been accomplished all over the world, Avatar is in over 60 countries. And um, I know that in Nevada, uh, in one county, all of the pre-service teachers take resurfacing prior to starting teaching. What is pre-service? Uh, before they start teaching. Oh, like okay. Like when they're doing their student teaching. Yes. It's part of their coursework. Uh, really? Yes. And that's just recently happened within the past year. Uh, there's motion all over moving this uh, movement forward. Now, these teachers, or soon-to-be mm -hmm. teachers, are they aware that what they're learning is from Avatar? Yes, they are, very definitely. Avatar's a very upfront, totally honest organization, course. Uh, my experience has been no secrets. There are no hidden agendas. Right. One of the... Um, I'm trying to see if I can find it here very quickly, and I may not be able to. Oh, I... Here it is. Let's run over some okay. of the expected results when you take okay. uh, the courses. Okay, so we start out with, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, number Resurfacing. Here mm -hmm. we go. It says, greater connection with and insight into the nature of personal reality, which is mm -hmm. what we've been talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, and then, let's see here, section three, the ability to change body sensations, interpersonal conflicts, dependencies, self-sabotaging beliefs. Let's talk about changing bodily sensations. Does that mm -hmm. mean that uh, heat can feel like cold or pain can feel like pleasure? What, what does that mean? Well, if you believe that you create what you experience, then you create that pain. So if that pain is not something you want, you can discreate it. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. <laughs> so, so you're saying that, uh, for instance, people with, with chronic bodily problems, mm -hmm. headaches, backaches, mm -hmm. and things like this, if they take this, they're mm -hmm. able to, to have more, shall we call it, pain management? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then, let's see here, all the way down, this is, this is, of course, perhaps a little bit heady for some of the people listening to this, but I'm sure they'll explain it very well. 
We're talking at the very end, which is Section 5. This is the wizard course. Mm -hmm. this, is the, this is the course that you recently mm -hmm. took? Attended. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, it says the expected results are the ability to understand and manage creation, the ability to operate from the viewpoint of the higher self, and the ability to transform civilization. That's a pretty mighty uh, expectation to have. Yes, it is. What, um, what do we mean by understand and manage creation? Let me put this in, in personal terms. Um, I am responsible for my behavior. I create how the world responds to me. Uh, if you believe that, then you can create a reality that supports those beliefs that you have. Um, you've met people that are very negative. They don't want to go here or there because this will be wrong or that'll be wrong, and they get there, and lo and behold, it happens. Then someone else who has a different point of view, a different belief, expects that they're going to have a great time, they're going to learn something new, and they go and they do. Why? It's because they're creating that reality. And so if you take that very common example, very superficial, and go very deep with it, then you understand what that's all about. And then managing civilization. Some people, mm -hmm. I can't manage my mm -hmm. sock drawer. Mm -hmm. so, so what is managing creation? Managing creation is creating a shared reality amongst all people that there's space for everyone, that there are resources for everyone, that we can all live and coexist in mutual happiness and productivity. And that goes along with transforming civilization. Yes. Then. Yes. There are many things um, in our civilization that get in the way of our being our true self. Um, dress codes, for example, rules and regulations that are uh, made by people to control people. They're from the outside. They're not an inner control. Um, and that all has to do with an enlightened planetary civilization. And that's what you're working towards? Ultimately, yes. Now, that doesn't mean that I see myself as, you know, trooping all over the world. My world of Lowell, Metropolitan, Grand Rapids, Western Michigan, the people that I interact with, um, that's my world, that's my civilization. Uh, with the network of avatars across the universe, uh, all over the planet, then you can see how this spreads. When I was in Orlando in uh, January, I worked with four women from Korea, two of whom did not speak English, and we were able to communicate. Language is a barrier. We were able to communicate and understand and help each other, and that's what this is all about. If people would like to get in touch with you, uh, if they're interested in mm -hmm. Avatar, why don't you give a couple of uh, contact numbers, emails, fine, websites? Fine. My email address is for Betty Ann. That's B E T T Y A N N E at AOL.com. And that for is F O R, correct? F O R, thank you. For Betty Ann at AOL.com. And my home phone number is area code 616 691 8591. And uh, website? Website. Um, the Avatar, Star's Edge, is um, avatar at avatarhq.com. That's the, that's the email. Mm -hmm. Isn't there a website? At, oh, uh, yes, there is. Is it, is it just, it's, it's starsedge.com? Yes, I believe that's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Well, then, one way or another, I'm sure you'll make... Uh, you'll make contact. Well, Betty Ann, thank you so much for being with us here on Common Threads, and um, I hope that, uh, I wish you the greatest success in your endeavors. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. My name is Fred Stella. You've been listening to Common Threads here on WGVU. Join us next week for another edition of Common Threads. 
Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. Send questions and comments by email through our website, www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org. Thank you for listening and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads. Mm-hmm.